1: So Holy Spirit, we want to welcome you here. We just choose in this moment to just incline all of ourselves towards you. We want to thank you, Lord, for the journey that you have us on as a community, for, uh, for this sort of shared push into both the ancient and modern rhythms of spiritual discipline. We want to thank you from that which has come before us, uh, for, from, for the things that we can build on. And we want to thank you for the kinds of conversations that are happening now. Um, Lord, we want to be... Uh, really good apprentices of Christ. Um, we want to be with you and we want to become like you. And so we just ask, Lord, that you would captivate our hearts in this moment, that you would take us ever deeper into your story. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Matthew six twenty-five to 34 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm, I'm not sure that there's a, a more relevant scripture for the age and the time that we live in. Um, if you were here last week, I kicked off our Catching Breath series, um, and we explored this whole thing of kind of cultural anxiety, and this glamorization of busyness, and how we're just kind of invited to be going, to be going, and to have all of our identity tied up in this thing, and how it just fatigues people, it drives people to the edge of mental health, it damages relationships, it's this, it's this incredibly uh, consuming and, and uh, degrading thing that just kind of breaks us down over time. And yet in the midst of all that, we still have this invitation from Christ to come and be his apprentice, to learn from him, to grow in him, to move towards the things of his kingdom. And so I look at a scripture like that in Matthew 6, where Jesus kind of challenges this thing of, of, of anxiety and of uncertainty and of just like worrying about stuff. You know, and it's like, oh man, that feels like something for today's day and age. And so it's it's with these things in mind that we that we are are, are doing this catching breath series. So if you've missed it, you can go check out last week's sermon. I, I highly recommend um, just just so you can kind of get the get the background to what it is that we're trying to do. Um, we're also uh, every Wednesday um, I'm putting out a little guided prayer meditation um, just just up on our podcast. So you can either go to svc.org.nz/catchingbreath. It'll be on there, or if you just subscribe. subscribe. Subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts or whatever other wherever else you get I don't know, I've got Apple stuff, so wherever else you get podcasts from, you can find those things there, and they're just sort of 10 to 15 minutes of, of creating space, and just working through a little bit of Scripture, prayerfully, um, and just just seeing what the Scripture says to you uh, in that sort of space. Um, as well, Vic preached this morning, the second part of our series, uh, exploring these kind of ancient ideas of abstinence uh, and engagement, and I would highly recommend you check that out as well. This is, this is the kind of series where it's like, you know, kind of be connected on all levels, for, for sort of the next three weeks, we're doing different sermons morning and night. So it's the kind of thing where it's like outside of the service, would you be willing to just go and have a listen and, and really sort of inquire of yourself and wrestle with these things because I think it is well worth it. And so that brings us to today. And, and what I want to talk about really is some of the things that I've, I've sort of seen be quite helpful uh, in my own life uh, over this past year in particular, and, uh, and would love to just sort of see where it takes us as we kind of go into it. And so tonight, it is all about ruthlessly eliminating hurry. Uh, every day, I get to, I look at my phone. Uh, when I look at, Has anyone looked at the stats area on their phone? It's a little bit depressing, right? I think I'm picking my phone up like on average 86 to 94 times a day. Um, which is concerning, but also I do a lot of work on it. So there you go, justified. Um, is this going to work? Ah, oh, this is what I see when I pick up my phone. Ah, oh. this is my wife Georgia. If you don't know, she's amazing. Um, but you'll notice there that on the, bottom of my, on the bottom of my phone screen, I have these words, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. They have been words that I have uh, sort of committed to living by uh, over the course of this year. Uh, at times, it's been uh, incredibly helpful. Uh, and at times, it's just been this thing that's just sort of disappeared into the back of my mind um, But I think it's something that's really powerful. I want to tell you about when it came into my life. Uh, Earlier this year, with a group of my friends, we put on this event called uh, Formatio. And uh, it was all about spiritual formation. And and some of you guys were there and a part of it. And it was a a really incredible day. But after that... We, along with um, just a a whole bunch of other young Christian leaders, we had this retreat uh, out in Coatesville, where we got to hang out with John Mark Comer, who is the pastor of a church called Bridgetown in in Portland, Oregon. And he's just he's a great dude that's all about this kind of, you know, investing deeply in your relationship with God. And uh, we were hanging out there in the morning, and. uh, we were kind of sitting there, and I was just having a little chat. There was a group of us. John Mark was over there, and he was like, he was like oh, man, I'd love a coffee. And I was like, oh, man, I'm just going to quickly go grab you one. You stay right there. Bang. And I, like, stood up, and he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, he's like hey, man, just ruthlessly eliminate hurry. There's no rush. You know? Like, we're not starting yet. Just take your time. And I was like, dude, you're just telling me what to do. I don't know you that well. Um, <clears throat> but I was like, whoa, that kind of, like... That kind of like caught me off guard. And it's really hard when you're in a room of like other Christian leaders and then you get made the example of. (sighs) Anyway, so that's how our session started, right? (laughs) Um, Oh, you can, I'm not at that slide yet. Yeah, yeah, you can just, you can just stay. Everyone can just stay looking at Georgia. Um, And so, so yeah, so what happens then is the session starts and and he, and John just goes straight into this thing. He goes, I want to talk about ruthlessly eliminating hurry. And um, he tells this story uh, about a pastor called John Ordberg, who in 1998 uh, was pastoring a megachurch, and uh, he was experiencing uh, really significant burnout. He was, he was working crazy hours, and um, he was just completely overwhelmed with his work, and to, to, the, point, to the point of, of brokenness and to, the, and to the point of damage. And uh, John was at this conference, and he ran into a guy called Dallas Willard, who is a really... Um, a really influential author and pastor in his own right. I um, mean, he, he ran into Dallas Willard and he said, he said, Dallas, he goes, I'm, I'm wrecked, man. I'm, I'm absolutely wrecked. I'm absolutely destroyed. What, what is it that I need to do? How do, I, how do I sort of, how do I do this big, long journey like the way you have? How, how can I be like you? How have you managed to do it for so long? Tell me. And uh, Dallas goes, well, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And John goes, okay, and he writes it down, and he goes, and then what? And then Dallas is like, well, you've got to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And John's like, yeah, but I wrote that down, but like, what's the next thing? And Dallas is like, no, no, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And that, that single sentence basically completely transformed John's life. And it's been this thing that he's clung to and he's taught about and he's written books about. It it, it saved his ministry. It saved his relationships. It was an incredible thing. And it's just kind of been around for the last sort of 20 years that every now and then the story has kind of popped up of John sort of encountering Dallas Willard to the point where here we are in Coatesville, New Zealand. And this pastor from America says to me, hey, Calvin, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And it stuck with me. I mean, this is actually a story I'd heard before. I'd seen it before on some Christian blog. But it was in this moment when someone just kind of called it out over like a cup of coffee that I was like, oh, actually, there's something in this for me. It was like God kind of really, really gripped my heart with it. And so then then and there that day, I wrote it down and I wrote it down again. And then I set it as my phone sort of screensaver. And I was like, this, I think, is going to be a significant part of my 2019. And so as we come into this Catching Breath series and as we sort of explore this whole thing of spiritual disciplines, it felt like this was something that was important to talk about because we have a whole sort of treasure trove um, of traditions and rituals, um, liturgies and also, uh, you know, worship songs, all these things that are designed to take us into deeper relationship with God. But we also uh, live in a really dynamic and changing times where the the cultural pressures um, are much different. And so when new things begin to enter this fear that can aid our sort of spiritual journey and our relationship with God, we have to pay attention to them. And so something, a little idiom like ruthlessly eliminating hurry becomes incredibly helpful. And so when we think about all of these things, the cultural anxieties, the the, the things that we're really struggling with in our day and age, we should be exploring something like this. So what is hurry? I define hurry as this. It's the hurry, hurry is the inevitable symptom of a world committed to maintaining a perception of perpetual busyness, right? So remember last week, I spoke about this whole thing of busyness, like we wear busy like a badge of honor, right? Who, who, Even since last week, who's used the word busy? Hand up. Oh, some of you guys are learning stuff in church. That's awesome. I've still used it, so I'm a hypocrite. Um, But anyway, it's like we wear busyness, we kind of own it, we celebrate it. And, and so there are, these, there are these ideals that we feel like we have to hold up. There are these things that we sort of hold ourselves to. And so hurry, becomes, hurry is the thing that sort of arises out of that incessant need to maintain a perception of busyness. It's like we've always got to be on the go. We've always got to be getting stuff done. We want to be seen to be effective at what we do. And the world moves at such a pace that if we don't keep up, we feel like we will fall off the side. And so we become hurried in how we do everything. We become hurried in how we do our relationships. We become hurried in how we do our work. We become hurried um, in the way we play sports or in the way we, in how we wind down. It's like hurry begins to sort of permeate um, and resonate within every sort of area of our lives. Um, there's a few things There's a few areas in particular where I see uh, hurry arise out of. Um, uh, but first of all, let's, let's look at a scripture. Yeah, Luke 10 verses 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Anyone ever self-identified as a Martha before? I'm such a Martha, right? Or she's such a Martha or whatever, you know? Like we often find ourselves, we look at that story. More often than not, we end up resonating with the Martha than we do resonating with Mary, it's because it's sort of hard-baked into this world we live in. We see um, all kinds of things in the person of Martha. We see that she has some sort of identity tied up in the way she's serving. She sees that, we see that there's actually some kind of uh, expectation that she is experiencing, like I have to do something, or certainly I, I have to act and be a certain way in this particular instance. And Mary is not living up to that expectation she should be doing this thing alongside me. So there's this, there's this air of uh, almost self-righteousness or self-importance that we begin to see uh, in the person of Martha as well. And so we see how hurry kind of rises. You get the feeling that she's incredibly anxious about this situation as well. You kind of get this, it's like a bustling little busybody. And honestly, Georgia will tell you, when we do hospitality at our house, I don't do hospitality well. Because uh, for some reason, I always buy like way too much food. Um, And then I get like super, super stressed about it. And so people come around and I honestly feel so flustered. It's like, I just, man, I'm such a Martha, you know? It's like, oh man, I just, I I, I so resonate with that thing of like, when there's people in the home, I need to to make things look and feel a certain way. And I get, uh, and you know, I can understand the frustration that Martha feels, but it's like the sense of hurry begins to invade my life. And so hurry arises out of a few different areas in particular. Um, we see hurry arise out of this cultural anxiety that we have been talking about, that we have been exploring. Um, and not just like not just sort of the anxiety that kind of permeates all through culture, but kind of the social anxiety that we all experience ourselves, this, this deep need to feel like we need to hold up a particular version of ourselves. And it's like, I have to live up to this thing. And so like Martha, I have to be this certain kind of person in this situation that creates a certain stress and a certain anxiety and it's like you what do you do to kind of mitigate that well you just try to you end up hurrying more you try and do more and more to get things done and to be a certain way and to look a certain way and to be a certain thing and so hurry arises out of this cultural anxiety we see like in the person uh of, of Martha we see an inflated sense of self let me paint a scenario I think driving I think traffic is a great example because we live in Auckland, right? And we all know what it's like to hurry. Anyone ever just been super frustrated because it's like, I need to be at that place at that time? Anyone? Yeah. It's like suddenly in that moment, doesn't matter that there's all these other people who might also be late, but they are holding me up (laughs) from me being able to get to my thing in my own time. There's something about hurry that hinders our ability to do what we need to do. It diminishes our concept of the collective. We lose sight of the communal. We lose sight that there is something, some kind of togetherness about our human experience. Um, we, we lose that sense. And, and all of a sudden, we, we just desire that things would happen on our timeline. That becomes our expectation. And so we see this in the person of Martha. It's like, it's like Mary should be doing this thing. I'm doing it. Why isn't she living up to this? It's like this inflated sense of self comes into play. And so when we're hurrying, we're, we are totally overcome with the sense that what I am doing is, is, is basically more important than what anyone else is doing. And we suddenly don't have the space or even the grace to recognize that, there, that it could be that someone's had a car accident or there could be... Uh, a breakdown in someone's, in someone's uh, relationship of some sort, or there could be some other sort of significant tragedy. It's like, it's like we don't have space for that in, in a moment of hurry because we're so totally consumed by, by our own stuff. You know? And so hurry arises out of an inflated sense of self. I think hurry also arises out of uh, a sense of overcommitment or a lack of discipline. Um, There is this great saying, and I've I've heard Vic say it over the years, where he says, you know, we overestimate what we can achieve in a year, but we underestimate what we can achieve in five, right? I think that's a great expression, right? Um, But park that to the side. I just think we overestimate what we can achieve in a day sometimes. You know, we, we, we tend to say yes to far more things than we should. We sign up for more things than we should. We, we spin a lot of plates. We, you know, it's like we do social sport and we've got assignments due for university and we're also working part-time and we've got to serve in church um, and we've said yes to driving for the food bank and we're doing this and this and this and our things just kind of stack up and up and up and up um, and we've still got to look after our relationships and we've still got to do things at home and we've got chores. And, you know, it's like there are a lot of things that happen in our lives, things that need to be done, responsibilities, and often what happens is, is like we, we often lose sight of the fact that we need to manage our time, our talent, and our resources really well so that we can do those things. And often what happens is we overstretch or we overcommit ourselves, and we end up experiencing this overwhelming sense of hurry. It contributes to our sense of anxiety. We see this once again in the person of Martha because it's like because of this thing, she is un willing or unable to simply choose the, the good portion, to be present to the thing that is happening in her midst, in her own home. Overcommitment steals from us the precious moment at hand we lose perspective that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We, we, we lose the ability to just see today for what it is. And so much of the scriptures, whether it's Matthew 6, Jesus talking about anxiety, um, or, or whether it's uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 6 verses 2, or whether it's, um, <clears throat> or whether it's our Psalm 119, 105 talking about the steps that God's invites us to take to trust him just for a single step, it's like it's like we lose sight of that when we become overcommitted and we begin to lose discipline in our own lives. And I think the final thing that 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 you know I think hurry arises out of is out of a deep desire to, to maintain control. You know, we don't like the idea that that we aren't in control sometimes. And the reality is, is that, well, life is dynamic. It's there's all sorts of things going on. There are there are far more variables than you could ever put your finger on. And so, so often, so often, uh, we desire to just try and control those things, control our environments, try and make sure things happen on our own terms, in our own way. And the reality is, it's like there are just so many things that are outside of our control. And we actually need to allow space for that. We actually need to learn how to be okay with that. We need to be able to let it go just a little bit. And so I see uh, a sense of hurry arise out of a desire to maintain complete control of our lives. And so with that in mind, when we're talking about what hurry is, you might wonder to yourself, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm hurrying? Well, let me ask you some questions. Do you ever find yourself getting flustered in social settings? You don't, like... These can be rhetorical, okay? It's a sort of personal inward test, all right? Um, But do you find you get angry at seemingly insignificant circumstances that are completely out of your control? Do you struggle to be on time for your appointments? Does your week leave you feeling overly exhausted or do you feel like you're even verging on, on burnout? Do you feel like those are the words you might be using to describe what your weeks look like? Do you look at your to-do list and do you feel anxious sometimes? Do you find that you fall behind on projects because you've said yes to too many things? Do you find that irritability is like a default response for you? It's like you just, you, you find yourself just like often more irritable than not. These might be indicators that you're struggling with hurry. I'm sure there's a lot of other questions we can ask, but we really must find ways of eliminating hurry because ultimately it gets in the way of our relationship with God. When we are unhurried, we are finally able to hear and heed the Word of God. In a place of unhurriedness, we can, we can simply cease our striving and we can just know that He is God. And so instead of rushing around or worrying about what we need to do, we can focus in that place of unhurriedness. We can focus simply on what God is doing right now. And we can join him in his kingdom uh, that is righteousness, joy and peace. That is what unhurriedness looks like. And so we need to find a way to eliminate our sense of hurry. John Ordberg, that, uh, the guy I was talking about, he, uh, he writes this in one of his books. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well. Again and again, as we pursue spiritual life, we must do battle with hurry. For many of us, the great danger is not that we renounce our faith, it is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Right? Like, let's just, let's just take note of that again, right? The great danger is not that we renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. We can find ourselves getting so caught up in our everyday life, so distracted, so overwhelmed, so so rushed with everything that we're doing that ultimately we, we miss out on the, the vibrant, dynamic, uh, profoundly beautiful depths of our relationship with God. We can just miss out on that. We can settle for like a cheap, skimmed through version of it. And so we need to learn how to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And so how might we be able to do that? Well, there's just a, a couple of really simple things, or a few really simple things that I think are worth exploring this evening. The first is, is, is to simply practice slowing down. It sounds really basic, but this really for me is why I even have that little screenshot on my, you know, that, that on my homepage, just that, that those little three words, ruthlessly eliminate hurry, Calvin. It's, it's, it's this practice of just helping me go, okay, I just need to stop rushing. Slowing involves cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we have to wait. Okay? Slowing down forces us to stop. Here's another thing. Do you want to know how you're hurrying? Who looks for the shortest line in the supermarket? Yeah, yeah, right? It's like, that's a, that's a good indicator that you might be hurrying. It's like... Ah, it's efficiency. Sounds like that's something a hurrier would say. <clears throat> no, but it's like it's it's like, you know, we, we you see people like rushing down the motorways, right? Like changing in and out of lanes real quick. You see people like sort of rushing through a supermarket, you see people getting frustrated just standing in line. It's like we just don't even know how to wait in the queue anymore for a cup of coffee. It's like you know, it's like everything we're doing so important and so precious. It's like I just need my caffeine fix as soonly as soon and as quickly as possible. So slowing down, slowing down might seem like a waste of time, but it is invaluable. So maybe deliberately try and drive in the slow lane this week. Have you tried to just chew your food slowly, and just try to even be present to the food that you're eating? Maybe you should get into the longest checkout line at the grocery store. Or maybe you can go through an entire week without wearing, like, a watch or something. You know, for me, one of the things I do is every Saturday, I just don't wear my watch at all because it's like, I mean, it's Apple Watch, no bigs, but... um, No one really cares about Apple anymore. Uh, but, but, but here's the thing, right, is it keeps me hyper-connected to the world. And so every Saturday, I just don't wear it at all so that I'm not constantly like, tapped and, and reminded that there's like, you know, emails to be answered or messages to respond to or everything. You know, it's just like it just breaks down that connection. And so just you know, for me, one day a week, just got to disconnect from that. It's like, maybe you just don't need to be wearing a watch so much. Just try and find some things that, that would help you slow down. The second thing that helps us ruthlessly eliminate hurry, I think, is to be really wise with our yes and our no. Okay, These are, these are really good words to know and, and, and to really know when and how to use them. Because I think it's a, good thing, a really good thing to say yes, but I also think it's really good to say no. And I'm not convinced we always have the balance, uh, the balance that, that right. Like I was saying before, you know, we, can o- we overestimate what we can achieve in a day. But you know what? Making people wait isn't bad. Um, organizing your life, like running a calendar, that's not that bad. I used to feel really bad because sometimes I'd get in situations where uh, I would sort of tee up appointments really close to each other. And um, what would happen is I'd find myself rushing, like, and so suddenly I'm speeding in my car, or I'm just trying to get to that next thing as quickly as possible. Or you find out that you're texting someone and you're going, uh, I'm just running a bit late. I'll be there in five. When you know in reality it's actually going to take you more like 15, you know? But it's like you're doing all those things. And when you send a text message like that, what does it do? It invokes like a, a, a greater sense of anxiety and hurry in you because it's like, well, I know I'm not going to be there in five, but now I need to try and do that 15-minute drive in like seven or eight just to try and be acceptable, you know? It's like we, we overcommit ourselves all the time. So it's, you've got to learn how to juggle that yes and that no recognize that your time and your energy and your talent and your resource, all of that, it's a scarce resource. You can only do so much with it. And people have far more respect for you if you're able to just manage things really well. So being able to say to someone, hey, I actually, you know, when they try and organize an appointment with you, I actually can't see you this week, but maybe we could meet up next week. Not exactly revolutionary but it's not always something, honestly, it's not actually something we always do that well. We must learn uh, to, to use our yes and our no better. Likewise, when people ask for something, you might be able to say, listen, I actually can't do that this week. That's okay as well. You've got to learn how to use your yes and your no. So allocate your resource wisely. Using, saying yes, that's a great thing, but, but pursue it with wisdom. Look to do it really well. And then my final thought really about this, and I know this is like super simple, but these are intentional practices. Um, and And just like this whole area of spiritual discipline, when we put these things into practice, over time they begin to cultivate a certain life. And so the third thing for me is this, is that you need to intentionally choose the good portion to put yourself at the feet of God. And what that looks like for me is to invite the peace of God to reign supreme. Okay. So in those moments where I'm starting to feel hurried or anxious, and I go, Okay, Calvin, ruthlessly eliminate hurry, I just go into this little mode of going, Okay, God, I need your peace. I just I just need you to to come and be king in this moment. And that's a relinquishing of control, that's a relinquishing of my discipline, it's a relinquishing of like my my own like sort of self-inflated sort of self-interest and self-righteousness. It's just a relinquishing of all those things. It's a relinquishing of my sense of anxiety. It's just like, I'm just gonna put these things at your feet and I'm just gonna ask for your peace to come and reign supreme. Lord, I just wanna be at your feet. I just wanna be merry, you know? I wanna choose the good portion. And so this is an intentional choice. It's a choice to down your tools. It's a choice to down your expectations. And it's a choice to press in and choose God, plain and simple. One of the things that I found really helpful in my process of, of Ruthlessly Eliminating Hurry and of, and of moving towards this piece was to, to, take a, to take like a minute to just write a little prayer. So I, had, I have this like little notebook uh, in my work bag and I just pull it out and I'll scribble like a four or five line liturgy in there, just a little prayer that, that just looks to kind of orient me back towards that. So here's one, here's one that, I, that I've written before, and it's really simple. It's just my Lord and my God, which for some reason I've just gotten super into starting my prayers with lately, um, and, and I really love. Uh, so my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here and with me And I ask that you would grant me stillness of heart, peace in my soul, and a deep awareness of your presence be with and before me. Amen. You know, so it's just this like, it's just a few lines that help me reorient myself back towards God and just invite his peace in. And to just let those kinds of sort of expectations and pressures, I was putting on myself in that sense of hurriedness, to just let that fall by the wayside. Those are the kinds of things that sort of come out of me when I'm, when I'm trying to practice ruthlessly eliminating hurry. And so as we explore these spiritual disciplines that have sort of been shaped and, and molded over, over uh, millennia, I also just wonder if there's something for us in this, that, that in, a, in an age where we are completely consumed by cultural anxiety, where we glamorize busyness like nothing else, and we feel this immense pressure to hold up these, these idealistic versions of ourselves, I just wonder if there's something meaningful, meaningful for us if we make this attempt to ruthlessly eliminate hurry and reorient ourselves back towards God and just say, here I am. I'm slowing down. I'm looking to fall back in step with you and the rhythms of your grace.